just so good. Well, I am excited that we have this time together to kind of kick into this series that we have been going through, which is called um, Make Your Mark. And the idea between Make Your Mark is that we're going through the Gospel of Mark. But we're doing it a little differently than going through it from chapter 1 to chapter 17, right? So you're going to learn that there's only 16 chapters in the book of Mark, all right? So we're not going through chapter 1 through 16. We're going thematically. And we're looking at different themes in Mark. Week 1, we looked at this idea that, that Mark's primary purpose, one of his primary purposes, was that he wanted you to know that Jesus is the Son of God that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that all of the Old Testament, all of the prophets, all of the songs we sing today are about him because he's the son of God. And then the second week, we talked about this story of Jairus and his daughter. You guys remember that? Some of us do. And that was when we kind of watched the Saturday Night Thespians act out that passage where Amy was the little girl and she was revived, she was brought back to life, and what Mark is trying to communicate to you is that Jesus is the Son of God, and one of the primary ways we know that is because he has power over death, and he brings us back to life. And then last week, we looked at this idea that Mark wanted to communicate to you is that Jesus is the Son of God, and the way that you know that is that Jesus has the power over disease and pain and what causes disease. And so we looked at that whole idea, and we understand that when we are walking through our pain, when we're asking God to, to heal us, we know that he can do that, and that there are some things that maybe, having a great conversation with Micah, he was the one on guitar here the, this morning, about healing and about the, the fact that sometimes we're healed, sometimes we're not, but in reality what happens is that our, our lives, our, our bodies, our Stories can glorify God whether or not we're battling through a struggle or whether or not we are standing on top of a healing that has been awesome. Either way, our life can glorify God, right? So today, we're going to look at another example of what Mark is trying to communicate to us, and that is the idea that Jesus is awesome. He is the Son of God because he has the authority over nature and food. Everybody was like, whoa, food. I like that. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to, to Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6 is where we are going to pick up, and it's in verse 35. If you need a Bible, raise your hand because the scripture will not be on the screen. Um, it's going to be um, right there for you. So if you want a Bible, raise your hand. We can definitely run one out to you. Um, we're going to be hanging out in Mark chapter 6 all morning. And so before we read, let me pray. Heavenly Father, there's no accidents today. Everybody is here for a purpose. And Lord, we pray right now that the intentions that you have for us today would be made real in the next few minutes. That, Lord, as we are digging into your word and we look at some stories that maybe we have heard before, Lord, we ask that you would show us something new and that you would challenge us to grow. We thank you for that, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. So let's pick up 
Mark chapter 6, um, verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote, remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something to eat. And so we see right now what we're doing is we're picking up the story where Jesus is in a crowd of people with the disciples. And what happens right before this is that they kind of show up in this area and all these people come to Jesus and he begins to teach them and it gets late in the day. And so they're like, hey, these people are going to be getting hungry. Let's send them away so they can buy something to eat. Some of you that have been around church know that this story is the feeding of the 5,000. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And then they were like, are you kidding me? That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And then Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? And he asked, he says, go and see. When they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. I love that Jesus is organized, yeah? Anybody like, likes that? That's good. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. How many of you guys have heard this story before? So good, right? And so we see that there's a couple of things that Jesus does here. And Mark is trying to communicate to you that he is the son of God because he has the authority and he's able to multiply food. Anybody ever want to multiply food? Yeah. But I think there's two things that are really interesting to me about this. Number one is that Jesus did a miracle with what the disciples already had. It's number one in the back of your, your sheet. Jesus did a miracle with what the disciples already had. And I think that that's powerful for us to think about the fact that Jesus has a tendency to do a miracle with what we already have. How many of you wake up in the morning thinking about what you already have? Or do you think about what you really want? The second thing that I think is really interesting is we think about the fact that Jesus fed the 5,000, but really, who fed the 5,000? The disciples. Because he gave them the bread and the fish, and they distributed it to the people. So God, Jesus, literally does the miracle through the disciples. He takes what they have, and he uses them to make the miracle happen. Somebody has got enough of already in this message just from that. That God can do a miracle with what you already have, and he can take what you have and do a miracle through you. But do we believe it? I was uh, remembering when we were with our Kenya partner, Mohi, Mission of Hope International, in, uh, in a meeting, and the, the gentleman that was sharing about they have a... a uh, like a trade, trades uh, training 
program that they take different people through than the, the, the Mothari Valley that, that need jobs. And, and, and he was talking to a local gentleman, and the guy was kind of mad because he didn't really know all about that, but he was hearing all this stuff about Jesus. And he just says to, to the guy that runs this program, he says, yeah, Jesus sounds really great, but will Jesus give me a job? And the guy looks at him and says, uh, yeah, actually he will. Um, we have this program, it's, uh, it's uh, about welding. You can become a welder and, uh, and you can get a job, but you have to go through um, a few weeks of training in order to become a welder. But if you do that, um, yeah, Jesus will give you a job. How many of us think about provision that way? How many of us think about Jesus that way? I lo love that story. So I want us to kind of continue moving through chapter 6. Because that's an amazing story, right? We're going to get there. So after he feeds the 5,000, Jesus is like, hey, guys, you guys go on ahead. I'll catch up to you later. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to chill out and be by myself. That's what he says. So the disciples get in a boat, and they're off to, off to the races, and Jesus kind of just splits and goes somewhere else. And we pick up in verse 47. And it says this, Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And Jesus was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake he was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought that he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. Verse 51. Before we go on to 52, let's talk about this story. So what happens? Jesus says, hey, fed the 5,000. I'm a little tired. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to chill out. You guys go on ahead. The disciples get in a boat. Wind is pretty bad. They're oiling. They're straining. They're trying to just row this boat. They just are straining like crazy. Jesus sees them. And then he's kind of walking by. And he's going to walk by. But then they see him like, hey, well, that's a ghost. He says, no, it's not. And he climbs in the boat, and the wind dies down, and we see that Jesus has authority over nature. Mark wants you to know that. You guys all got that story? Awesome. I need 12 guys up here real quick. It could be girls, too. It doesn't matter. I need 12 of you. You're going to be the disciples in the boat. Um, and then I need someone who's going to be the wind, all right? So uh, I'm here all day, so I don't, really, I don't really care how long this takes, but we need 12 people up here to, to row and strain, all right? Now, <clears throat> the closest thing to water that we have right now is this baptismal, so let's make this, let's make this, you don't get in it. Yeah, okay, cool. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We need four more. We'll, five, there we go, three more. Let's go, let's go. Now, yeah, come on over, over this direction. Great, great, great. Cool, cool, cool. I like that. Um, this, is the, this is not how you would be in a boat. Let's make two rows. Yeah, there you go. That's probably how it would be. All right, how many we got? Two, four, six, eight, nine. We need three more. All right, yes. 10, 11. 
You want to be the wind? Okay, you need to come over here then. You need to come over here. Okay, good. So that's awesome. We still need, how many we got? I keep losing count. Somebody tell me. We need two more? All right, sweet. Steven, good deal. We need one more. Really, guys? We're going to get to 11. We're going to get to 11. Yeah, and you're going to be Judas if you're now, now you're waiting this long. So good for you. Are you coming up here? Oh, okay. Ah, oh, that'd be great. Yes, Jacob. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I, I guess I'll be Jesus. Like, I don't know. Because Jesus is just like chilling out over here. So what happens is that Jesus sends the disciples away. They're on this boat, and he's off, off here. And they start rowing, and they're straining at the oars. So you guys have to really row hard. I don't know which direction you're rowing, but you figure it out. Yeah, you're rowing, and you're straining. You're straining. It's so hard. Okay, good. And hold on. There's no, keep going. Keep straining. <laughs> keep straining. And there is um, some wind right here. So you can hold that there. So that's the wind. And you guys are straining against the wind. Yeah, let me hear more straining. There it is. There it is. And so Jesus is literally on the land by himself, and he's just like, I see you straining. And then he just is like, okay, I'm going to get on the water. I'm just going to walk by. I'll walk by over here. Uh, I'm just, and he was going to pass them by, but they see him and they're terrified. <laughs> yes, he's like, it's a ghost. <laughs> I feed them the line. And they don't still don't say it. So let's try again. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And then Jesus comes over and he's like, no, it's just me. And when he gets in the boat, the wind goes away. Get out of here. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. And that's what happens. And he says, don't be afraid. Let's hear it for our, our disciples. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Love it. Appreciate you guys. So we see that this is what happens. It's amazing, and I love it, but you got to be reading all the way through to verse 52, because verse 52, after that all happens, it says this, and we'll just pick up with 51, they saw him, um, let me just get to where I'm supposed to be, it says they were completely amazed in verse 51. In verse 52 says this, for they had not understood about the loaves. And their hearts were hardened. Is anybody confused? Like we just read, feeding of the 5,000. Go on ahead. I'm going to be over here. They're straining. They're in the boat. They're going crazy. Jesus walks on the water. And then he comes, and then he kills the, the wind. It goes away. And they're amazed. And it's because they didn't understand about the wind. No, they didn't understand about the loaves. I wonder, I wonder why that is such a throwback. It just... 
I, I want to say, like, they meant to say wind there, right? They weren't able to make a connection. And I wonder, I wonder if you guys understand what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. I don't know if you guys did. But I'm wondering if maybe they got disconnected because they were hungry. Oh, okay. So, like, let me ask you this. Like, how many of you in the room are hungry right now? No shame. Yeah. <laughs> Eat breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day, right? Okay, so what I do have, I have a snack that I just dropped. What do you mean? I mean, I've got Cheetos. Do you love Cheetos? Cool. These are, oh, you have them too? Good. You came prepared. What? And I have fruit snacks. Am I like fruit snacks? And I have a chocolate-covered graham cracker. So apologies that you're hungry. However, um, what? How do I, how do I share it with everybody? I mean, it's just a Cheeto. Okay, so if you are still hungry and you would like snacks, then let's just give you guys snacks, all right? So let's do it, guys. Let's give everybody in the room a snack, all right? Here we go. Let's hear it for our snack givers. Our snack givers are going to move a lot faster. Sam is still half asleep, all right? But here we go. We're going to feed the 5,000 sort of. All right, sort of. How many of you thought today, when you showed up to church, that you were going to get a snack? Are you happy? Now, here's the deal. Everybody got, is getting a little something different, all right? Figure out what you don't want and start trying to make a trade, all right? This is like lunch at school. Start trying to make a trade. So it's interesting how it's different when we tell the story with actual food, right? I may go on record, but I don't want to say this officially, but I, I want to say, like, I don't know if I can ever teach this passage, this story, ever again without feeding the entire room. So it's a big commitment. God is good, though. Um, we, we had all of that, all the food, almost all of it, just... Um, in like different areas of the church and some of it was like in boxes that were dated like 2009 did you guys check your uh, <laughs> check the, the best buy date you know <laughs> best if used before 2007 no just kidding it's all somewhat fresh so the disciples didn't understand what Jesus did with the loaves What they didn't recognize is that when Jesus fed the 5,000, it was literally a son of God move. It was literally demonstrating to them that he is the Messiah. He brings life. He brings multiplication. He provides. He does the miracle with what you already have. He does the miracle through you, and they didn't recognize it. Their hearts were hardened. Don't get, don't get that confused with like a pharaoh getting his heart hardened in the Old Testament. It's a little different. The original really is kind of meaning that 
Um, <laughs> they weren't able to make the connection. Uh, they were a little clueless. They were maybe even a little dense, maybe, maybe stupid, maybe dumb, I don't know. But they weren't able to make the connection between what God did with the loaves and the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. Um, you know, I, I wonder if that's, that's reminiscent of us, you know. Here's what's interesting to me. If you read chapter 6 of Mark, they didn't just forget about the loaves. Right before the miracle of the 5,000, Jesus sends the disciples out into the village and into the towns. He tells them, don't take anything except for what you have. And I want you to Go minister to the people. To take your staff, don't take an extra shirt, wear sandals. And they go out. You know what they did? You look it up. It's earlier in chapter 6. They cast out demons. They anointed people, and they were healed. The disciples did this. Not only did they forget about what Jesus did with the loaves, but they forgot about the fact that they did miracles and saw demons cast out and saw people healed. And so what I think is interesting is that Mark, and through most likely the testimony of Peter, most scholars believe that Mark was with Peter at the end of his life and that Peter is the source for all these stories. And we see that the story of, of Peter, like, practically drowning when he tries to walk out on the water, right, with Jesus, not in Mark. Peter's like, leave that out. Let the other guys tell that one. <laughs> right? And, and then you think about the fact that, you know, we're reading this now, but when Mark wrote it, he didn't write it while it was happening. So he's... He's making kind of a commentary through Peter, where Peter's making a little bit of a commentary there. That So Jesus fed the 5,000, the wind died down on the boat, and then we didn't get it. We didn't get the loaf thing. And we forget that Peter's reminiscing about this. And it's not being written as it's happening, but it's being told as a story. And so what we find is that there's, there's something that didn't connect for Peter. And he was probably couching that in, there was a lot that I didn't get about Jesus. There was a lot of places that I messed up. And there were a lot of places in my story with Jesus where his provision wasn't what I envisioned. I think that's number two on the back of your sheet, is that his provision may not be what you envision. And, and so we see that this is something that we can, can talk about and we can learn about because a lot of times we say, God, I want this, I want this, I need this, I must have this, I'm going to strive and strain and try to row the boat to get to that point. And all the while, the provision has already been provided. What you need to know is, did you see your, your little note in your, your sack lunch 
from dad. Hey, I just wanted you to know that I'm, I'm thinking about you. And my provision may not be what you envision, but you will always have everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. I think about this and, and I start to ask the question, like, why, why, do, why do we have a tendency to forget what God has already given to us and strive and strain for what we don't have? I think that there's a few different categories. This is on the back of your sheet as well. There's like four or five different categories that I think we can find ourselves in. And I'm going to try to explain them quickly. So here's kind of what my brain, where my brain goes. So first, first one is that there are people in our world, um, probably not in this room, that simply don't know the story of Jesus. They have all this stuff. They have been provided all this stuff. They have life. They have, they have potentially food and shelter and a life that they're living. But they don't know where it all comes from. They don't know. And so they don't believe. They don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, you know, we get that, right? I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So that's first kind of group. Because you're here today, probably not anyone in the room. Because guess what? Now you know. The second group is really a group that, um, and, and by the way, this is kind of one of those things where you, when you don't know, uh, there's a story about this uh, this family that whenever they would cook a ham, it's talking of food, you, any, any time they would cook a ham for the holidays, um, for whatever reason, their mom would always cut a third of the ham off and, and not cook it, throw it away. And so the kids were like, every time you make a ham, you cut a third of the ham off, and, and then you cook the, the other the bigger part, the two-thirds. And why, why do you do that? Mom was like, I, I mean, that's just what we always did when I was a kid. It's what, what, my, what my mom, your grandma did. That's just how we do it. It seems like you're just wasting, like, a perfectly good piece of ham. Like, why wouldn't you cook that, too? It's like, it's just how we've always done it. And so they're like, man, we got to ask grandma what's going on with this. So they go to grandma and like, hey, Grandma, like, why is it that every time you and our mom cooks a ham, you cut a third of it off and you don't cook it? And she goes, oh, oh yeah, well, that's because when you and when me and your grandfather got married, um, the pan that we were given um, at our wedding was too small to fit the whole ham. So I just cut off a third of it so the, the ham would fit on the pan and then I could just cook it. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And maybe today what God is doing in your heart is he's revealing to you that you've actually got the whole ham to cook. <laughs> and you've been kind of like cutting part of it off and discarding it and not counting that as God's provision because that's what you've always done. There's a second category of people, and that is people who know, they know that God is their source they know that they have what they have because of him, but they don't believe. They know about God, but they just don't believe. They're not really mad about it. They just don't care. I'll bet you some of you in the room know people like that. They grew up in church, don't care. 
don't believe. It's fair, right? That's, that's real. And then there's a third category of people. It's these people that know, might be in the room, they know that Jesus is their source. They know that he provides. They know that he can do a miracle with what they already have. But we're afraid. We're afraid. Fear grips our heart, and so we don't believe. We know, and we're afraid, so we don't believe. It might, it might be some of us in the room today. Grew up in church, giving your life to God. You know, you believe. But in terms of like trusting for his provision, trusting him with everything that he's been given, that's been given to you, you're too afraid to believe in that area of your life. And then there's a fourth area. There's a fourth area, a group of people. It's people who know and they're afraid, but they trust, and the trust overcomes the fear, and they believe. This is the work. See, I think part of it for us is to understand that, man, we're moving from, we know that, we know what the scriptures say. We know what it declares. We know who we are in Christ. And we, when we have to trust God and believe in him to provide for us, there is fear sometimes that wells up inside of us. Like, I don't know if I can serve. I don't know if I can share my talent. I don't know if I can give that amount. I don't know if I can't. I'm afraid. However, I'm going to trust you, God, because I feel you drawing me to do this, and so I'm going to do it. And we believe God for it. And he provides. Here's, here's the thing. Imagine, and, and this, is, this is no extra charge for this comment. You have everything that you currently have. 100% of what you have, you have. And some of us are, in the, we, have, we believe that God has provided 100% of that. And I have it all. And God is good, some of us would say. God is good because all of what I have, I have. And I have it. God provided it. And not only did he do that, but he said, I'm also going to give you not only 100% of what you have, I'm going to give you 100% decision-making power about what you do with it. He gives us 100% of what we have, and then he says, I will give you 100% decision-making power about what you do with it. And then I started to think about things. And I thought about serving. God gives us time, right? Some of us are in agreement. Time comes from God. Like he has given us days to live. And we can choose with the time that we've been given to serve. And we can choose to give back a little bit of our time to God, right? And we can serve. Food pantry on Tuesday. You can choose to come and serve. 
the 5K next Saturday. You can choose to come and serve. But if you choose not to, 100% your decision. Isn't God good? And I thought about that. If you choose to not serve at the food pantry, cool. That's your decision. And you know what we'll do? Is we'll, we'll have somebody else here that'll fill that spot. And we're going to, that food pantry is going to happen whether or not you show up or not, John. We can fill that hole and we can work around it. We can, we can basically be like, you know what? No big deal. You don't want to serve? Cool. Don't worry. We got people. We got people that will serve. And you think about your talents that you have. Some of you are really aware of like the gifts God has given you, like your talents and what you're able to do. And let's just say that, you know, you can play bass. And you play a mean bass. But you're just not feeling it. Like, that's no big deal. Like, you don't want to play bass up here or wherever. You don't want to. That's fine. You know what? No big deal. We're going to find a, a guy to play bass. Caleb, will play, Caleb, he'll play bass every week if we let him, you know? We're good. Just you and your bass just stay at home. God gives us finances. Woo, nerve. And you can do whatever you want with it. Some of us feel like we're trapped there because we've made some commitments and signed some loan agreements that we're really not liking right now. <laughs> but you chose that, and you, ha you can do with what you have financially. You can do what you want with it. You can give 1% back to God. You can give 5% back. You can give 10% back, which is our goal because we're trying to become generosity rock stars. We're trying to become generous here, but you can also choose to give nothing back. And that's 100% your decision. Because you know what we do is we have other people that will simply give your tithe. Time out. Nobody can give your tithe. I started to think about it. You have 100% decision-making power, but nobody can give what has already been given to you. And it's really clear when we talk about money, right? Super clear. Like, Jen, you don't want to give. God bless you. I'm going to give money for you. No. No. Jen is the only one that can give what's been given to her. I can give above and beyond. I can continue to give. We can try to struggle through while I'm trying to figure out how do I give for Jen, but the reality is I can't give for Jen. And then I rewound the clock and I said, hold on a second. Are we saying that we can just find somebody to play bass when you're choosing not to play? No, because guess what? You're the only one that's going to play bass the way that you play bass. And you're going to bring a dynamic to the team that only you bring. You think that you're just here by accident, but you're not. There is a purpose and a plan, and he's made you uniquely. And your contribution to the team is so important. I can't play bass for you. Believe me. 
You don't want to serve at the food pantry? We're not going to just fill your spot. We're going to work around the hole that's there because you didn't show up. Now, don't feel guilty because guess what? The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to convict in this moment. Not Joe. All I'm saying is look at what you have already have what has God provided for you and what are you doing with it are you recognizing it coming from God that I have a hundred percent of it and that I have a hundred percent decision-making power over it because guess what he will do if you follow through on what's happening over and over and over again Jesus God uses what you already have to create a miracle through you and we are somewhere in between knowing that and truly believing that because there's something called fear in the middle that stymies us and stops us from getting to that point because i'm telling you what we all think it's all about trusting in the midst of fear there's a fifth group and i'm working on it and i'm trying to get there but let me tell you what the end looks like let me tell you not only how god made you but how you are made to live we know what the Word of God says. And we're not afraid. We just trust. And we believe. There is a level, there is a point in your journey where you can get to the point where you're like, you know what? I have, we're going to sing it, I have proved him over and over and over again. No big deal. I know it, I trust, and I believe, done. Fear has been beaten because God is not a God of fear. That's where we're moving towards. Some of you guys know this story um, that uh, happened in, I don't know, I think it was August, and uh, I got rear-ended in our van. And uh, it was a hit and run. And I, and I chased the guy in the parking lot of Taco Bell, like you do. <laughs> do not try this at home, right? And the guy basically tore our bumper off. I mean, it was flapping in the wind. Through that whole process, I was like, yes, time for a new van. Let's go! Bumpers flapping. Man, it's got 293,000 miles on it. I really, I'm trying to get the 300,000, man. I can do it, but I don't have to now because this guy hit my van, and baby, we're going to get a new van. It's going to be amazing. Let's go! Except that he didn't have insurance. Except that he didn't have a driver's license. Except that he went to jail. I mean, we were, we were just going to go to it, man. And it started to make me think, man, I really want a van. But what do I really need? I need a roll of duct tape. And I really just need a car that's going to get me from my massively long five-minute commute and back. And so what 
we're all geared up for to get what we want, and we're thinking about that. God really made this message really clear to me that, you know what, Joe? You have exactly what you need. I have provided for you right now for what you need, and it's okay. Let's get to 300,000. And every time I turn, the, turn that, that van on, I'm like, she started again, babe. Let's go. Like, and I think that sometimes, you know, our... Especially when things have been taken from us, right? We feel like God's provided something to us and something's been taken from us. Like these are really difficult moments to trust in God, right? It's important for us to understand that we have to get around people that are going to help us. But I believe that even when God allows you to experience having something taken away from you or you feel like your provision is not there, that there is something about trusting God, but it's also about opening your eyes to the provision that is is there so when it's relational and things aren't going well but think about who has God put in your circle that you can have a conversation with that is willing to walk through life with you this is this is what it's about what are we learning we're learning that we're going to be how to be get intentional about seeing where God is working and providing this is what we learn from this story, that they didn't recognize what he did with the loaves, that everything, that that whole miracle came from God. This is our work this week. And there's some work on the back of your sheet for five days, some scriptures to read, some questions to answer. And my heart is that you would do the work this week to open your eyes to what God is doing and what he's provided for you. And then when we all awaken to that, we will change the world and we stop walking around acting like we're poor and don't have what we need when in reality he has given you everything you need. The question is, do we believe it? Someone who believes it is my friend Ashley. She's going to be getting baptized at the 11 o'clock service. I want you to watch her video right now. Hi guys, my name is Ashley. I go to Olivet Nazarene University and I've been coming to second place for a few months now. About three months ago, I decided to give my life to Christ. I've always known that he was there. I, I sang the worship songs, I went to church, I prayed, but I never really wanted to surrender to him. I was still trying to take control of my life. These past few months have been absolutely life-changing. One morning, I was just driving, sitting in my car, and I decided to give the reins to him. I just handed them to Christ. There's been so many times in my life where I had given up on him, but he has never once turned his back on me. He continues to pursue me and cast out his love for me. I've been seeking his will for my life, and I can see, feel him reshaping my heart. His love is so overwhelming, and I'm happy to say that I finally found a deep, genuine, and personal relationship with my father. In my obedience, I've decided to give up my old ways to seek out a Christ-centered life. As difficult as this has been, it's been the best decision I've ever made, and I'm so genuinely excited to begin my new life with Christ. My family has been very supportive of me, um, but definitely, I guess, really my Olivet community, my teammates, my coach, all my friends at Olivet have really helped to grow me closer to, to God and um, really grow that personal relationship with Him really encourage me and support me and kind of have my back through all of this. So that's been really helpful.
I was really introduced to second place at the beginning of the school year last year and it just kind of really felt like home. It felt like somewhere where I could really kind of be myself and kind of express that. Somewhere where I felt like people were actually going to have my back and be there for me and kind of walk me, like help me with my walk with Christ. So it's really awesome to have, I guess, that support system here. I want to get baptized because it's something I've always wanted to do, but I never felt like there was a right time for it. I just never felt like I was fully committed yet. Um, but this summer was really just a kind of a wake-up call for me. I kind of just realized um, how important this is to me and finally something I want to proclaim and kind of share with everyone kind of my love for God and how I want to continue to live that life. So. Why don't we all, yeah, let's give it up for Ashley. Why don't we all stand as we go into some time to really tell Jesus what we believe about him. Heavenly Father, we invite you into this place and into this moment. Um, you've been here speaking to us, Lord, about all these things that we have, all the provision that you have provided. And so, God, we just ask that as we sing, that your presence, Lord God, would be made real to us. Lord, that our next step would be made clear. Lord, that we need to just simply begin by recognizing what it is that you've provided to us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. As we get ready to go, um, I want you guys to grab a seat real quick. And, uh, I want to just challenge you because God's been talking in this service to many of you. And uh, my encouragement to you as we go is that the right step for you is taking a next step. It's, it's taking some sort of step into God's plan for you. My heart is that you grow, that, that you are able to see God do amazing things this week. I know that there's a lot in the room that's probably, there's just stuff, there's a lot. I get it. We're always available to pray. We're always available to be here for you. But I want you to just, Maybe, maybe the next step is literally on the clipboard. Um, it's, it's this thing where, think about the disciples. They get to the point where they're in the boat and the wind dies down and they forgot what Jesus had done with the loaves. And, and I know that some of the things that are on the clipboard are things that God is providing for this body. Alpha tomorrow night, honest conversation about life and faith. If, you're, if you have questions, if you've been searching, you're like, you know what, I want to know more about this. I'm not exactly sure if I've ever really surrendered, like Ashley, my wife, to him. That's a place for you. And there's dinner provided. Growth groups are going to be starting soon. Maybe you're saying, God, I want to use my time to lead a growth group. I'm going to host one, my home, my apartment, my dorm, my office, whatever. I'm just going to give back a little bit to you and see a space happen for discipleship. Maybe it's one of the missions trips. Maybe it's something that God's tugging on your heart to say, you know what, maybe it's time. And so as you go, you can grab that clipboard and send it to your right. But it's a little different this week, right? Because it's happening now. So it's on your left side. You can grab it and send it to your right. Before you go, um, sign in. Let us know that you're here. And really pray about what's on there to say, okay, God, what is it that I have been given that maybe I need to give back to you just a little bit? I love you guys. Have a great, great week, and we'll see you very soon.